This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. One of the first things you're taught about in CPR training is bystander syndrome. If you don't point at one specific person and tell them to call 911, it's likely that no one will. The second lesson is a series of steps and motions you take to ensure the supposed victim is actually in danger. Performing CPR on someone who's just asleep can lead to physical harm and potentially a lawsuit. In this week's story, Second Story Company member Orlena McLaurin recounts her own experience with bystander syndrome and fear of false danger and the pressures, questions, and anxieties that lead to it. Recorded live at Pub 626 in Chicago in April 2017, Second Story is proud to present The Business. I'm approaching the slightly dilapidated Victorian home affectionately known as the Love Shack for the crucible after party when I notice my friend Mary, a senior theater major, sitting on the front porch alone. Her front porch, in fact, as she is one of the four senior theater girls who rent the house. As I get closer, I can tell she's been crying. We'd gotten close while working props on the last main stage, so I'm pretty sure I know what this is about. I pop a squat next to her on the porch. Let me guess. Ben? She laughs, wiping a lock of red hair from a slightly overgrown pixie cut. I finally got the nerve to ask him to a shack party, and I've barely gotten a chance to talk to him. Nessa's been all in his face. Mary isn't the typical redhead, like her best friend and roommate, Nessa, who's fiery, bold, and assertive. No, Mary is more like me, quiet, the quintessential good girl, who sometimes lets her insecurities get the best of her, but she's nice to me. Me, a virtual unknown in the Truman State University Theater Department. Your best friend, Nessa, who said Ben wasn't the right guy for you, that you were better off without him? Yeah, they're in her room with the door closed. That's not right, Mayor. She knows how you feel about him. I mean, why, why would she? Have you talked to her? I say standing. This is crazy. She's like Ben for like two years, and all of this would be unnecessary if they would just talk. Earl, I got it. it. It's cool. She says standing quickly with a bit of panic in her eye. If you're sure, I say. Later in the party, I see her go into Nessa's room and slide the old Victorian door behind her. I chill by the CD player a few feet from Nessa's room. I'll give her 10 minutes, and then I'll just go check on her. Ten minutes later, I'd likely knock on Nessa's door. Nessa opens it just wide enough for me to see a miserable-looking Mary sitting in the corner and a giggling drunk Ben laying back on Nessa's bed. What do you want? Nessa says. I just wanted to check on Mary. She was really hurt by... Nessa quickly pulls the door to her body, effectively blocking my view of the room. She's fine. Why do you even care? This has nothing to do with you. Just stay out of our business, she says, shutting the door in my face. So, that's what I'm doing. I think leaning against the love shack a couple of months later, 
I'm enjoying my lovely view on the, of the porch alongside a few other theater majors and some unknowns, not surprising. People know our parties are always gonna be jumping, so we get the curious, the frat boys, and the theater groupies who just like us because we're fun. It's the fall 2001X after party, and although I've earned the right to party after my first collegiate show playing a waitress and a prostitute, shocker, I have no desire to go into the party because I'm practicing minding my own business. But is that Nellie's hot in here coming from inside? I turned towards the door but stopped short as Kara a senior black theater major stumbles out of the front door with a pack of saltines under one arm and a medium-sized white boy under the other. The saltines are due to the power hour style drinking she'd been doing earlier in the party. The guy, though, was one of the unknowns. I try to pass them, but Kara giggles almost stumbling into me. The unknown catches her, and I just move to the side of the door to let them by when I get a better look at the unknown. It's a pretty average looking white dude, not big or small, not super hot. He guides a shaky Kara down the three stairs of the front porch to talk on the lawn. Hmm. He doesn't seem drunk. He looks pretty damn happy. Silently, I wonder, am I the only one seeing this? Oh, and it's not like, I have a thing against white guys. I live in Kirksville, Missouri. My, my you know, options are pretty frickin' limited. <laughs> As it is, Karen and I are the only black women in our whole department. Damn, fat lot of good that's doing me. Kara hangs out with the, I hate to even say it, popular girls. The ones who get the leads, the Nessas. There was no sense of that silent agreement between me and Kara that most black people instinctually have in all white spaces, that agreement of, I see you and I got you, that I grew up with. Oh well, I think looking into my empty solo cup, I need another beer. But then Kara and the unknown start towards the sidewalk, walking away from the party. Mm. <laughs> This don't feel right. I take a step away from my spot, but I stop quick. My gut is rumbling and my heart rate is creeping up even though they're only 20 feet away. Nope, said I was gonna stay out of other people's business. I think leaning back against the shack, yet no longer in need of refreshment. My eyes keep flicking back to Kara. Should I go get somebody? I only have a couple of people in the department that I even feel comfortable talking to, much less going to ask for help, and none of them hang in her circle, so why would they care? I look around, and I see Dan, a senior theater major, light a cigarette on the front lawn. I'll ask him, though I don't really know him. He's always been nice to me, he knows Kara, and he also plays a lot of dad roles, you know. <laughs> I jump the front steps. Hey, Dan. Hey, Earl. You see Kara? I say as she and the unknown cross the street walking towards the dorms. You ever see that guy she's with? Dan shrugs his shoulders. Think she should be going anywhere alone with that guy? I mean, she's clearly wasted. 
Maybe he's just walking her home. He says, exhaling a plume of white smoke. I don't know, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I got a bad feeling about this. She's a big girl. She can take care of herself. Standing on the lawn, I can see them, but they're almost a block away now. Everything in my being is screaming, go after her. My mama always taught me if someone was in trouble to help, but having been burned so recently, I will my body to stay put. Okay, uh, she's a senior, I'm a sophomore. I've gotten advice from Dan and I said I was gonna stay out of people's business. She'll be fine, I think. It's none of my business. So, I don't see Kara on Monday or any day after that. Months and months have passed and the only thing I've heard about Kara is that she'd been having some money problems. Truman isn't expensive, but it ain't free either. So, I still wonder about that night. Meanwhile, after getting passed over for a role in the all-black musical Once on this Island at a predominantly white college, <laughs> I'd finally gotten the hint that maybe I needed to diversify my theater resume. So for this year's Fall 1X, I'm running lights for the whole showcase. Except standing here in the little theater booth, I I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing with this manual two-channel light board when I hear, hey girl, it's Kara. Uh, hey, what are you doing here? I say, giving her a quick reflexive hug. I'm running sound, she says with a smile and starts turning on the sound mixer. After a year of wondering, I'm now in the same room standing next to Kara. Two tech rehearsals in, my curiosity gets the best of me. So, Kara, I got a question for you. I hope it doesn't you know, offend you or anything. And you don't have to answer if you don't want to. It's okay. Yeah? So remember the 1X party last year before you left? There was this guy. I mean, we'd all been drinking and this, you and this guy went off together that night. Anything happen? I hold my breath waiting for the answer to my gut's persistent query before I see her eyes slide to the side just a bit. Wait. Something happened? Something bad? Yeah. Shit, did, did he hurt you? Were, were you, were you raped? Yeah. My gut shrinks, drops, and implodes all at the same time. I was there. I saw you and him, and I knew it wasn't right, but I was like, no, you can't get in other people's business, and she's a senior, and what if she freaks out on you? But I knew, I knew something bad would happen, and I let you go with him. I let it happen. Uh, we'd all gotten the talks at the beginning of the year about date rape and, and, and drinking, but I didn't think it really happened. This is really happening, and I am not okay with any of this. I think freely crying. Kara is so calm. I mean, not a tear, which only encourages more crying and near hyperventilation on my part to the point where Kara is patting me on my shoulder and it almost hurts because what kind of person lets this happen? Me.
it's okay, she says with a small, genuine smile. I went home, and I'm better now. As we sat through the rest of that run, I ached for her, wondering what my truly grievous mistake of inaction said about me as a fellow woman, as a fellow black woman, at a time when I was desperately trying to figure out who I wanted to be as an adult, as an artist. This was the first time I questioned what kind of human I wanted to be. And sitting in the booth, just 12 inches away from Kara with the knowledge of who I was becoming, I discovered with disturbing clarity that I knew for sure what kind of human I didn't want to be. This story was produced by Ali Drum, curated by Aimee Tin, directed by Lexi Saunders, with music and sound design by Ben Zeman. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Leopardo Charitable Foundation, our 2018-2019 season sponsor, Skadden Arp Slate Meager and Flom, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.